Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Please live to campaign for Wayne to be the halftime entertainment at next year's Super Bowl back in his hometown. It's been his dream. Make it come true. Tweet it into existence, please. Here we go. This is the Skip Bayless Show. Episode 101. In honor of the famed 101st Airborne, the legendary Screaming Eagles that played such a crucial uh, role in World War II, the D-Day landing, June 6, 1944. I am fascinated by the history of all wars. It's my favorite Jeopardy category, war questions, because I live by those words of the great Winston Churchill, who famously said, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. If only Jerry Jones would listen to Winston Churchill. Today, I will take you way behind the scenes of what happened to me last Saturday in Las Vegas as I surprised my brother, Little Wayne, on his live Apple Music podcast. Today, I will tell you why after that Super Bowl that I absorbed, I no longer completely believe in Kyle Shanahan or Brock Purdy. I'll tell you why not. Today, I'll tell you why LeBron James just showed you once again, once again, why he has never been, will never be in Michael Jordan's league. And today, I will answer a Super Bowl parade of your questions about the Super Bowl commercials about how close my Dallas Cowboys are to playing in a Super Bowl. And I'll end with a question about who will play in next year's Super Bowl. But first up, as always, it is not to be skipped. So the astonishingly talented people at Apple Music recently had an idea. 
What if I traveled to Las Vegas on, say, Friday so I could surprise my brother Lil Wayne on Saturday on his live Apple Music podcast from Las Vegas? I did not plan to be in Las Vegas. This Super Bowl, as you know, was not a Fox event. Next year will be. Next year's Super Bowl on Fox, live from Wayne's hometown of New Orleans. And by the way, I'm going to say it again and again and again. All you Wayne fans, please start campaigning. Please keep campaigning. Please live to campaign for Wayne to be the halftime entertainment at next year's Super Bowl back in his hometown. It's been his dream. Make it come true. Tweet it into existence, please. But again, this year's event, not on Fox, on CBS, so we don't have the access. It's just too complicated for us to take our show there and try to find a place to do our show from because when Fox has it, Fox does it right. Fox builds a little city within the Super Bowl city in which we can do our show from a Fox set that is second to none, but not this time. So no plans for me to go to Las Vegas. We did our show right here in the same building from which I speak on the Fox lot, Pico Boulevard, West Los Angeles. I'm on the fifth floor. We do our show every morning, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time from the second floor. And we did it all five days last week here in studio so I did not have any plans to go to Las Vegas. But I thought about it, and I thought some more about it, and even though the Apple Music people said, hey, we'll understand if you just don't want to fight with it, you don't want the hassle, you just want to cool out for a day before the Super Bowl Sunday, but something told me This was the kind of opportunity for which I should walk to Las Vegas, if so required. Walk to Las Vegas, if so required. There are some things in life that you learn, you just suck it up and you just do them because ultimately you'll look back and say, was that ever worth it? This was one of those times. Yet, Wayne had texted me that he was leaving for Vegas on Wednesday night. So I assumed, as the week progressed, that Wayne would not come into this studio here on the Fox lot on Friday, as he almost always does, to do his Wayne's World at what's, it's 11.30 Eastern time, 8.30 out here every Friday on Undisputed. So I just assumed he would have to Zoom us from his hotel room in Las Vegas at 11.30 Eastern on Friday because he would already be in Las Vegas and he shocked me. He caught me off guard by coming into this Fox studio lot and into our studio on Friday as always in person. What? 
So I said, hey, I, I thought you're, eh, we'll, we'll just go after the show. Okay. So, so now I know I'm in a bit of jeopardy because when Undisputed ends every Friday when Wayne is in studio with me, we always talk. The second the show ends, we just talk. He's sitting right at my elbow. So we say goodbye to Michael and Keyshawn. And across the floor, Colin Coward has started The Herd live. And so we talk, or I should say we whisper to each other because we just sit or stand right there. And you can't talk this loudly or you would be part of Colin's show, which we obviously don't need to be. But we whisper. We catch up. We talk about this and that, any and everything. And he was telling me, as he had mentioned on air on Friday, how surprised he was that John Lynch got a hold of him couple days before, of course, the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. And he didn't say this on air, but he told me eye to eye, face to face, whisper to whisper, that Lynch actually FaceTimed him to ask him to play once again at the 49ers post-game quote-unquote party that they hope to have as a celebration after they won this Super Bowl. Wayne played the last time four years ago when he was living in Miami. He played for the Super Bowl on Fox at Miami. And unfortunately, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a 20-10 lead, seven minutes to go, and they blew it and gave up 21 points to Patrick Mahomes and company down the stretch of that Jimmy Garoppolo game. And they lost, and it became very controversial because Wayne played, because that's what he does, and a number of the players got into it. Some started to dance, and some of the veteran 49ers were not happy, and so there was some contention back and forth that almost erupted into something of an incident with Wayne caught in the crossfire. So when John Lynch asked him to play, he wasn't real keen on it because he jinxing it again. Is Wayne going to be in a dicey situation again if they don't win? Didn't love it, but he loves Kyle Shanahan, who, by the way, named his son after Wayne, as in Carter. So naturally, he said yes. So he's relating all this, and just out of the blue, he caught me completely off guard by saying, are you going? Am I going to Las Vegas? Yeah, you, you going to Las Vegas. Uh, no. I said no, because I was stuck. Was I going to say yes? Was I going to blow the surprise? I went straight home and told my wife, Ernestine, <laughs> I just lied to Lil Wayne's face because I had no way out. And she said, you lied for the right reason, to preserve the surprise. But it didn't feel good. It felt a little dirty to me. And yet... I swallowed it, and on I went to the airport on Friday, to Las Vegas. And moments after we landed, my producer Tyler Korn and I together got in our car to take us to the 
Cosmopolitan Hotel, where we were going to camp. Two things hit us right between the eyes. Las Vegas was gridlocked. I've been there many times, and you can pretty freely move from hotel to hotel. Some traffic, not a lot. 49er fans had taken over Las Vegas by Friday. Hundreds of thousands of 49er fans had driven into Las Vegas, obviously, mostly from California. Ernestine and I have driven, I don't know, four or five times from L.A. to Las Vegas because it's not a bad drive. It's, I don't know, four and a half hours, maybe if you push it four hours. Not a bad drive. I love to talk to Ernestine, so we have good deep talks. Time flies. Not a bad drive. That's what all those 49er fans had decided. I doubt that many of them had tickets. I don't know, maybe, I'll just guess, a fourth of them had tickets, and maybe 75% of them just wanted to be in Vegas to just experience the Super Bowl. Maybe watch the game in the sports book or somewhere at the hotel or I don't know, wherever they wanted to go, but they probably didn't have tickets, but they had cars in Las Vegas was L.A. at rush hour on the 405 freeway. It was dead stopped. I also, once we entered the lobby of the Cosmopolitan, it struck me that more than any event I attend at Super Bowls, I get recognized and I get mobbed. I do appreciate the love. And by the way, nobody ever, ever, ever comes at me or gets in my face or wants to criticize me for how dare you say that about LeBron James or whatever. I, never, ever. It's never like that. It's all love. But I'm getting mobbed in ways I don't get mobbed elsewhere. It's just at Super Bowls. It's, it's my audience. It's our undisputed audience. It's mob time. So I'm gridlocked on the strip in the car and I'm gridlocked in the lobby because once two fans come over for pictures, then eight fans come over and then 12 more come over and it's great, but I'm gridlocked. So I had several people I needed to see, wanted to see, to catch up with on Friday. I managed to pull that off, but on Friday night I had, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes later in the evening before I was going to crash and burn because I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning on weekdays. And I thought, maybe I'll just go down to the casino. Sometimes I like to just go and sit. I'm not a big gambler. Used to bet games back in the day, but not a big casino gambler. But it's just amusing to me to take 50 bucks and, and give yourself like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes see what happens, just playing slots, dollar slots, any kind of slots, $5 slot, whatever you're going to play, and just see you either blow your 50 pretty quickly or maybe you double it. And I've been pretty lucky, and yet 
I slapped myself in the face late Friday night, and I said, there's no way I can go down to the casino. Those days are over. Not at a Super Bowl. So now came Saturday, and I must admit, I was a little nervous about what was about to transpire because I am a planner, and Wayne on his podcast is more of a winger, as in he just wings it. I like to have some kind of roadmap. I can wing it too, but I just like to have some kind of idea where we're heading Maybe to a fault. Maybe I should trust myself more, but I, I wasn't sure about the circumstance into which I was about to plunge because I knew that Wayne was going to have Dion Sanders on his podcast. I was told that Dion might have Shadur and Shiloh, his sons, with him on the podcast. And I, I began to wonder and fret over... Is it possible they're going to resent my intrusion? My photo bombing? My horning in on the conversation? My taking valuable minutes away from the best interview in all of sports, if not all the land, Deion Sanders? I did not want to interlope on the greatest rapper ever interviewing the greatest cornerback ever, who also happens to be the biggest personality, the most charismatic personality in all of sports. I didn't want to do that. So I inch my way out of the cosmopolitan, I inch my way from the Cosmopolitan in a car service car toward the Mandalay Bay where Wayne was set up. Met at the VIP entrance by a man who works for Apple Music named Prophet. He and Apple Music's Jennifer presided over these proceedings on Saturday. They orchestrated they made everything work down to the second like a Rolex because Prophet and Jennifer are simply the smartest, sharpest people I've ever had the pleasure to work with. I have participated in these kinds of events, hundreds of them all over this country and all over the world. Never ever have I come across two people more on top of things than these two people. They get it, and did they ever nail it on Saturday? So they hustled me, did Prophet and then Jennifer, to the very back of this quote-unquote makeshift studio that had been built just for this one podcast in Vegas. And... Once again, Apple Music does it right because this makeshift podcast studio was straight out of the Taj Mahal. I could have lived there. 
But for about five minutes, Jennifer had me sit very quietly at the back of a group of people, maybe 40 or 50 strong friends and family who were watching and listening to Wayne interview Dion within the confines of this quote unquote makeshift studio. And the first thing that hit me was as I glanced through the people, oh, no Shadur and no Shiloh. I think they were somewhere in the crowd, but I couldn't find them initially. But I knew for sure that up on the lighted portion of the studio, up on the set, they were not participating in the interview. It was just Wayne and Dion one-on-one, which calmed me because I thought, this way I won't be quite the disruption and distraction I would have been if it's Wayne interviewing Dion and Shadur and Shiloh. So four or five minutes in, Jennifer led me through the crowd and we kind of snuck up on the set. She had left an open chair with a headset for me next to Dion. So I paused a beat, and then I thought, here I go. And I kind of quietly slipped into my chair, glanced sideways at Dion, who didn't initially see me, glanced across the desk at Wayne, who definitely did not see me. And I just sat there for a moment that seemed like a year, very quietly. La-di-da, don't mind me. I'm just sitting here out of the blue for no apparent reason. And all of a sudden, Dion does look to his left and says, oh, my God. (sighs) Wayne then looked at me, but looked right through me because it looked to me like he could not believe his eyes. And I said out loud, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. Then Dion reached over and hugged me, which gave Wayne just a moment to actually process what was happening before his very eyes. I love Dion, rarest of the rare, but so is my brother Wayne. By the way, Dion told me in the first break, he really loves you, man. Talking about Wayne, I said, hey, the feeling is mutual. I told Dion, we're, we're more alike than most people can see or comprehend. It took Wayne a long moment, but then I stood up and reached all the way. I had to lean completely across this big desk sat, shook his hand, and he immediately says, you lied to me, (laughs) straight from the heart. You lied to me. I did. I said, you got me. I said, I went straight home. He knows Ernestine very well. It's like his big sister. And I said, I went straight home, and I told her, I said, "I, I got stuck. I just, I just lied to the man's face. Eye to eye, I lied to him. And maybe he was a little hurt by that, but I think he got it that this had all been set up. 
that I had no choice if I was going to surprise him, but to lie to him. And so I settled into my seat, put my headset on, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting with Deion Sanders to my right and Lil Wayne across the desk from me, and we're just talk, 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 talking about any and everything with no plan. It goes over here, then it goes over there, and then it goes back over here and back over there. And after a while, I forgot where I was. We were just talking. Just like we were sitting and shooting the SH. Only Saturday night, when I was back home in LA, when somebody from Wayne's team, I think it was Scoob, sent Tyler then to me a picture that featured Lil Wayne and Deion Sanders and me. I did post it, Twitter and Instagram. But Saturday night, I sent it to my lifelong best friend from childhood, Craig Humphreys in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I wrote in the text, <laughs> I've come a long way from 43rd Street. Craig knows 43rd Street in Oklahoma City. Two bedroom, one bath. Sometimes we had a little money and sometimes we had none. That neighborhood was a rough neighborhood. And all of a sudden I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, with the greatest cornerback ever and the greatest rapper ever. And it touched me. During breaks, I had some great talks with Dion. We talked about Mike Zimmer, the new Cowboy defensive coordinator. Dion believes in him. Dion said he thought about hiring him, Colorado. I think he advised at Colorado last year. And during breaks, Wayne and I, as always, had some great talks. We're like two little kids talking because we feed off each other's passion and fascination with sports. He starts telling me, reminding me about The Mentalist. Remember Hard Knocks with the Jets? Back in the late summer, The Mentalist predicted to me Cole Hardman, who used to be one of Wayne's clients, then a jet that he was going to win the Super Bowl. I think the score was wrong, but he said, you're going to win the Super Bowl. And Wayne was blown away by that prediction because then Mikal winds up returning to the Chiefs and he's in the Super Bowl. And on Saturday, obviously, we did not know what was about to happen on Sunday because, as you well know, Mikal Hardman wound up catching the game-winning touchdown pass. Not from Aaron Rodgers, from Patrick Mahomes. So we were in awe of those predictions. Back and forth, we went in the breaks. Show had maybe half hour of me and Dion in it. Then it was over, and Wayne was out of there fairly quickly. But I got to say hi to everybody in his life and on his team. 
And they were off to another of the six shows Wayne did in Las Vegas over the weekend. Six shows, including, of course, the grand finale that wound up being a not-so-happy 49ers post-game, quote-unquote, party. He did it. He said at least the mood was more somber this time. But he did it because he's the hardest-working man in show business. He so deserves to do the halftime show next year at the Super Bowl in his hometown of New Orleans. So deserves it. So after my man Tyler Corn and I got back in our car to take us to the airport, he immediately texted me, did Wayne, and I'll read it to you in all caps, pardon some of my language, fucking thank you, man, that was epic, all caps with three exclamation points. Then he and I texted back and forth for the next half hour about this and that that had just happened and was about to happen as we inched toward the airport. When I finished texting with Wayne, I turned to Tyler and I said, I am starving and I don't want to go back to any hotel because I don't want to have to battle through it again. I said, is there anywhere we could stop? So we ask our driver, we're inching and we're inching, and suddenly we're alongside one of those Vegas strip malls that you see on the way to the airport. And I spy a Panda Express. I am not too big or too proud to go into a Panda Express because even though I eat quote-unquote clean, there are certain things at a Panda Express I can get and be happy with. You can get the teriyaki chicken, but you can also get very clean steamed broccoli and rice. Not fried, just steamed. So I'm, I'm thinking, I tell Tyler, I, I can make that work. Let's just try this. <laughs> so we go into the Panda Express, and I look up, and it is packed. It is wall-to-wall with every kind of football fan imaginable. And I walk in the door and the whole place just explodes like I'm Lil Wayne. That was my Saturday in Las Vegas. Three big tables of fans come over. We had 49ers. We had weirdly Chargers. And then we had a fan, uh, a group of cowboy fans. It's like just craziness. It's insane what's happening, spinning around me, pictures and autographs and fist bumps and hugs and on and on. And I'm thinking, I, I just left Lil Wayne and Deion Sanders and I'm in the Panda Express somewhere off the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's one of the most special days of my life. Special, special day. Right up there with anything I've ever been a part of. So... If, if you will, allow me to quote Lil Wayne's text back to him in all caps. Effing thank you, man. That was epic. I love you, man. Quick thought on the game that transpired on Sunday night in Las Vegas. 
Yeah, I came close to nailing the final score with my prediction. I said 24 to 22. It was 25 to 22. Sue me. The game didn't unfold anywhere like I thought it would, any way like I thought it would. But it did come down to all the right components that I predicted. 49ers obviously had chance after chance after chance after Mahomes threw the early third quarter interception and just looked lost while doing it. But in the end, as I did predict, as I believed with all my heart and soul, it boiled down to this. Kansas City had Mahomes and had Travis Kelsey and had Andy Reid and had Coach Spags coaching that defense, masterminding that defense. And San Francisco had Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Simple as that. I'm sorry, more than ever, I don't believe in Kyle Shanahan and I don't believe in Brock Purdy. And I like the heck out of both of them, seriously, from my heart. I think they're both really good people. I've never heard a bad word about Kyle Shanahan. Wayne loves him. Named his son after Wayne. Richard Sherman, I work with on Undisputed, just loves him and swears by him and never at him. And the more I listened to Brock Purdy building up to Super Bowl week, the more I liked him off the field. Love it that he shares his faith. I share his faith. I just don't really believe in him as a top-tier Super Bowl winning quarterback. I think he'll always be very good but never great. It's a gut feeling. And in the end, Andy Reid and Spags just coached rings around Kyle and Steve Wilkes, coached rings around them. Every button the Chiefs coaches pushed turned to gold. Now Kyle has so much hanging over his head as he goes forward. Three straight Super Bowls with double-digit leads blown. All the swirling controversy. Did he know the overtime rules or not? Did the players know or not? I know his father very well. I know Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan knew the overtime rules. Mike left no stone unturned. Mike was an assassin of a football coach, a driven assassin of a football coach. And as great as Kyle is as a play caller, gut feeling, he's a better coordinator than he is a commanding officer. It's just hard to trust him on the biggest stage in the sport, biggest stage in this country in sports. And it just came down to Brock Purdy's offense went three of 12 on third down. Simple as that. Late third down regulation, late third down and overtime. Spags got him twice. 
McDuffie on a blitz, came completely free, and somehow the best pass rusher on the Chiefs was left unblocked. I don't understand it, but somehow that comes down to coaching. Both Kyle and Brock, very good at what they do, just not Super Bowl great. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Bayless. Just go to Indeed.com slash Bayless right Right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Bayless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Bruce from Wisconsin who asked, did you watch the Super Bowl with Ernestine? Never, ever, as I've told you before, do I watch any kind of big game with Ernestine. Occasionally we'll watch NBA games together because she likes the NBA a little more than the NFL but I'm always alone during big games, except for my daughter, our little dynamo of a Maltese Hazel, sleeping at my feet. But Ernestine did come in to watch the halftime show with me. She's never been the biggest Usher fan. I've always liked him, but I wouldn't say that I've loved him. But we were both immediately blown away by the show he put on. Just knocked me right out of my chair. I am a huge fan of Alicia Keys. Big fan of Ludacris. Here came Alicia, here came Ludacris. Got to meet Will I Am at a Wayne concert not too long ago. Here he came. Here came her and Lil John and Jermaine Dupree. And knock my eyes out. The choreography was just, it, it was so, it, it was like CGI great, but it was real and it was live. Congrats to the National Football League. You scored with that halftime. Now it has to be Wayne next year in his hometown. This is Andrew from Las Vegas. Do you watch the Super Bowl commercials? I do, Andrew. I'm I'm not saying I watch them fanatically. I don't hang on them. I don't anticipate them the way some people do. A, A lot of people at Super Bowl parties are only there to watch the commercials. I don't watch them with a critical rate and debate eye. Sometimes I I miss the thrust of the commercial because I'm tweeting. And oftentimes it strikes me that they're almost too cutesy clever 
because I, I actually lose sight of <laughs> exactly what they're selling for which company. I, I don't even know what they mean because they, they lose me in their cutesy cleverness. Boy, that was a great commercial. For what? I don't know. But I, I'll go this far. I guess my quote-unquote favorite is the one I remember the most, the one that sticks with me just because it was so out there was Dunkin's, Dunkin' Donuts featuring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Tom Brady along with Jennifer Lopez. It was silly, it was goofy, it was way over the top, especially by Ben Affleck. But at least Matt Damon played the skeptical best friend, stayed in best friend character, best friend who was embarrassed to be part of it, and even more embarrassed for Ben Affleck. I like that. And of course, the best line in any commercial of all the Super Bowl was J-Lo ordering Affleck off her set and yet adding, Tom, you can stay. That was funny. I like that. Quick thought on LeBron James, if you will. So Woj, Ramona Shelburne, bombshell report, very well done. Warriors seeking to trade for LeBron. My biggest takeaway after it all sunk in. Yet another sneaky diva move by LeBron. I guess in the end, they either duped Draymond Green into doing this or they put him up to doing this. Draymond, a clutch client. LeBron runs clutch with his buddy, Rich Paul. And it was clear to me from the start that Draymond encouraged his owner, Joe Lacob, to contact Jeannie Buss to see if she would be interested in trading LeBron to Golden State, also Daryl Morey requested for the Sixers. But the main thrust of this was Golden State, Steph and Dre want LeBron. And yet Jeannie says, I don't want to trade him, but if he wants to be traded, we'll see what we can do. So she redirected Joe Lacob to check with Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, then said, no, 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 LeBron is not interested in being traded. So what did all this accomplish? Maybe some added leverage for LeBron with the Lakers. See, look how many people want me. Maybe a little added mystique, a little aura, a little more power to a man who can be Just a, a little oversensitive occasionally, a little insecure about his power. And my final biggest takeaway from this little episode was 
Michael Jordan never did anything like this. Trust me, I was there. I got to know him. I covered him. Never anything like this. Michael Jordan just played basketball. He played all 82 games nine times. Another season he played 81 games. Another season he played 80 games. He just played. And he tried to stay out of the politics. And once the politics overwhelmed him, once the two Jerry's in Chicago, the, the owner and the general manager, once they decided that was enough of Phil Jackson, even though Jerry Reinsdorf has even fairly recently told me that was Phil's doing. Phil wanted out because he felt like the, his, that roster was on its last legs. But Michael didn't think that. Michael thought they just wanted Phil gone so they could go young, so they could regain control of the franchise. Tim Floyd out of Iowa State. Michael Jordan just said, you push my coach out the back door, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm retiring. And he did on principle. Michael just quit. At age 34, he just said, I'm out. Talk about backbone. Talk about loyal to a fault. Michael was all about his coach, Phil. And once the two juries weren't about Phil. Michael wasn't about the Bulls anymore. That's principle. That's character. That's not LeBron. This is Greg from Los Angeles. Has Lil Wayne ever asked you to rap on a song of his? No, he has not, but once upon a time, I don't know, this is, I don't know, four or five years ago, <laughs> I did make the mistake of just sort of half-kiddingly saying, hey, maybe sometime you could have me rap with you. I could just do the hook or I, I don't know what, just something, he could write something that I, I could do so I wouldn't get in the way of the song. It would just be funny, just for grins. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's, that's a good idea. And I never heard another word about it because I shouldn't have, because I shouldn't have even broached the subject. Look, all I know for sure is that Lil Wayne wrote a song about me for me. It's called Good Morning, and you can hear it every morning to launch Undisputed at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 9.30 Eastern. It's even better than the first song, first theme song that he wrote for Undisputed called No Mercy, even though he weaved in parts of No Mercy in Good Morning. So just for me, Good Morning is enough for one lifetime. This is Marquise from Syracuse, New York. The Dallas Cowboys will or will not make next year's Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, so Marquise, I'm sitting here, as I mentioned before, on the Fox lot, West Los Angeles, P. 
Pico Boulevard near Avenue of the Stars. I'm in the FS1 building on the fifth floor. So I'm, I don't know, 1,500 miles from Cowboys headquarters in Frisco, Texas. That's how far my Dallas Cowboys are from a Super Bowl. As long as Mike McCarthy is the coach and Dak Prescott is the quarterback and Jerry Jones is the owner and operator. This is Ralph from Houston, Texas. Is there any Super Bowl matchup that would ever have you attend a game in person? So, Ralph, just for the record, believe it or not, I did attend 29 straight Super Bowls. I started with Super Bowl X, which did feature my Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I made it 29 straight Super Bowls through the third Tom Brady Super Bowl, this one against Donovan McNabb and the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid, for that matter. That was in Jacksonville, if memory serves. I did attend that game. All these games I sat in the press box, not the stands. But I was actually on site. I was there at 6 of the eight Dallas Cowboys Super Bowls. And that was the last six of them. So I started with Super Bowl 10. Then there was 12, New Orleans versus Denver, a victory. 13, a loss again to Pittsburgh. And then came the 90s dynasty, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Cowboys Bills, out here in L.A. in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Next year, Bills in Atlanta. And finally, after missing one year because of Dion's 49ers, Dion joined us, put us over the top and into the Super Bowl in Tempe, Arizona against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fortunately, they didn't have Terry Bradshaw at quarterback and they didn't have 13 Hall of Famers. They had Neil O'Donnell at quarterback. And he somehow turned a fairly obscure cowboy cornerback named Larry Brown opposite Dion into the Super Bowl MVP and got him paid by Al Davis and the Oakland Raiders, unfortunately for the Raiders. But I was there for the last six Super Bowls. the last three of them victories, and that was going on 30 years ago. So I'll say this. Yeah, if, if my Dallas Cowboys ever make it back to a Super Bowl, I will be at that Super Bowl. I'll go so far as to say I'll buy a ticket to that Super Bowl. I'll sit in the stands for that Super Bowl because I want to be there. I want to experience that before I leave this life, I just one more time want to experience that in the stands, up close and personal, on site, in person, eye to eye. I want to be there. 
but I'm not holding my breath. Finally, this is Howard from Glen Falls, New York. What is next year's Super Bowl matchup? Okay, Howard, just for you, I will go completely out to the very, very end of the limb as it creaks and cracks beneath me. I reserve the right to change this prediction. But in the few days after the Super Bowl we just absorbed, I will predict next year's Super Bowl teams will be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Green Bay Packers. I still believe that Joe Burrow is a little better than Patrick Mahomes. I can't back that up with numbers because Joe Burrow has not been able to stay healthy. He obviously played in only one Super Bowl, and he played very well, but narrowly lost to Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. I still believe in him. I'm going to go Michael Irvin on you because Michael often throws at me on Undisputed that he uses his eye gates to tell him that Patrick Mahomes is already better than Tom Brady. Well, I'll use my eye gates to tell you right here, right now. Joe Burrow is the closest thing to Tom Brady this league has as we speak. Joe Burrow is a little better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow is 3-1 and one against Patrick Mahomes, having beaten him in an AFC championship game at Arrowhead and having almost beaten him in an AFC championship game at Arrowhead in which one of his defensive teammates lost his mind and tackled Patrick Mahomes out of bounds on a crucial late-game play that pushed Kansas City 15 yards closer to a 45-yard walk-off field goal. That's how close that game was. I think Joe Burrow has Patrick Mahomes' number. That's just me. And I've told you before, I actually wrestle with the thought of changing allegiances next year and jumping on the bandwagon of my brother Lil Wayne's team, the Green Bay Packers. I used to despise him when Aaron Rodgers was quarterback, but I love me some Jordan Love. That team annihilated my team when I least expected it this year. The youngest team in the NFL, a seven and a half point underdog, went into Jerry World in a playoff game as the seven seed against my Cowboys being the two seed with two gimme playoff games on the table at Jerry World. Green Bay and then Detroit and then on to San Francisco to finally get revenge, third time's the playoff charm against those 49ers. I saw it like it was a vision. It was 27 to nothing before halftime. It was 48 to 13 early in the fourth quarter. 
it was Jordan Love doing whatever he wanted to do as the best of the young quarterbacks, and we got a bunch of them. He is the best. He's got Super Bowl written all over him. That team has Super Bowl written all over it. That receiver room might be the most talented depth chart of receivers in the league. They go six, seven deep, and they're all potentially number one receivers. So I'll go Joe Burrow over Jordan Love in next year's Super Bowl. But don't hold me to it. Not yet. That's it for episode 101. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thanks to Jonathan Berger and his all-pro team for making this show go. Thanks to Tyler Korn for accompanying me to Las Vegas and producing. Please remember Undisputed every weekday, 9.30 to noon Eastern Time, The Skip Bayless Show, every week.